Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers! You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. And we are at it again. Back at it with the new vans. Damn, <laughs> Colin. The two dudes. They've been doing it for a minute. This is some grown man shit. <laughs> Damn, you just you just snapped on them. Yeah. You snapped on these fools. <laughs> Pop off on them. This is some grown man shit. Yas Queen. That's why we're, we're coming in. We're going to be more sophisticated today because we were doing a foreign film. So let's show some class. See, what I was trying to do was bring that younger generation, that hip, cool kid generation in so that we can attract them to a more artsy foreign film. Oh. So I figured if we talk down to them, because, you know, these TikTok boys and girls, they're pretty fucking dumb. And we just like pander to their gen Zenus, yeah and their penis <laughs> then they'll they'll vibe with us as they say vibe check <laughs> yo if i vibe yeet, with your yeet, penis yeet, yeet. <laughs> yeet. <laughs> <laughs> gang gang <laughs> gang gang as they say yeah fortnite um fortnite oh hold on a second colin i have oh my god i gotta get this I got a Billie Eilish in my eye. <laughs> Billie Eilish. It's funny because it looks like he uh, actually I, does have an eyelash in his eye, unless he's just acting. I'm acting. Oh, okay. I always I'm say a phenomenal. Not only, listen, not only am I a podcaster, not only am I a movie critic, I'm a phenomenal actor. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> I can make a Billie Eilish joke. I One, that's the only one I got, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Billie hey, Eilish. Oh, my Billie Eilish. Billie Skylish. <laughs> yeah, you are Billy Skylish. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see my oversized sweater? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my you, neon green oversized sweater? Your Janko jeans? Oh my god, I really want Janko jeans. I'm sure we've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. We actually uh I think I told you this off mic, but one of you one of uh, I'm pretty sure it was Tom. He's been on the pod before. He tagged you on Facebook. I guess they're making a movie about a killer pair of jeans. Right? That was Tom. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, you had commented, and I was about to comment, and then I got busy with work, and I had to like stop. But I was gonna be like, I'm here for this movie, but only if the jeans are Jankos. Oh yeah, those are the only those jeans are fucking killing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those jeans, they're the only jeans pants, that be killing bro. the game. <laughs> they're killing the game, man. <laughs> Uh-huh. I'd have to be a line, be like, yo, killer jeans. And then they actually start killing them. Like, ah, my God, they really are. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, man. Sign me up for that movie. I'll this act in that movie. The movie's writing itself. <laughs> that, 
You know what that Gene, that Killer Jeans movie is missing? One sick Billie Eilish joke. <laughs> it's all I got, people. That's all it needs. That's all it needs to pop off. <laughs> TikTok, baby. I don't know what else is popular. Find us on OnlyFans at Two Dudes, One Movie. <laughs> it's not the same as TikTok. <laughs> it's basically the same as TikTok. TikTok is the new Vine. Yeah, and we saw how long that lasted. Although people like built careers off of Vine. Yeah. I loved Bo Burnham's Vines. Bo Burnham on Vine was amazing. That's how he got like found, basically. And then he started well, I mean, I guess he was simultaneously like starting stand up, but like he blew up from Vine and then he got like a Comedy Central special and then he like just comp- But he like deserves it. He's a he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. There's one that I loved and it's uh the clip from The Shining where Jack cuts through the door, the iconic "Here's Johnny" scene, just in our intro. Yep. Um, and yeah. it just, it just cut like it starts off with that, and he's breaking down the door, and then he peeks his head through the little crack, and he goes, "Here's Johnny," and then it just cuts to Bo Burnham on the toilet, and he's like, "Yeah, and here I am trying to enjoy shit in the privacy of my own house." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've all been there. Yeah. And there's another one. You're taking a shit. You're home alone. You're taking a shit. All of a sudden, Jack Nicholson is <laughs> peeks his crazy little face through through the door. Yeah, I see Jack Nicholson a lot peeking under my rug. Oh yeah, see you get him under the rug. I get him when I like I have like sliding uh, doors on my closet. I'll mm-hmm. slide it open, and he'll just be in there, and he'll be like asking me like weird questions, like if I've ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. And I'm like, yeah, obviously I have. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you just close him back up in there. <laughs> you clown. <laughs> For whatever who's, when you, who's when this you were, Joker? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's he's the worst Joker. He's not as good as Leto. Well, Leto's the all right. Real quick ranking of Jokers: Jared Leto, top one through five. Everyone else can suck a dick. <laughs> a hunka hunka. Yeah, <laughs> we do live in a society. This is confirmed now. This mm-hmm. is canon for DC. Yeah, DC canon is that we live Oof. in a society. Oof! I don't want to get back into all that. That's oh man, that's. Just, I was, Do you know how much of my my DC rant I cut out from last week's episode? <laughs> I was listening. We can to do it. like a full. We can do a full episode of of just the deleted scenes of me shit talking DC. We probably could. I I was listening to it and I was like smiling while listening to it because I you can feel you can feel your hatred. <laughs> oh, I'm so over it. But you know what? I do want to point this out because I thought about this since then. Because you, you made a good point of highlighting the fact that we don't just jerk off Marvel movies because if there are flaws, we always call them out. Mm-hmm. And I think we are very fair. And when DC does something right, we always praise them for it. So I agree with that. But I'd also like to say I did not go into Shazam thinking like, oh, I'm going to hate this because it's DC. I think if you go back and listen... I was excited for that. I'm like, this seems like really fun. Like I'm actually really interested in this. It's like an interesting character. It's different from like the regular DC characters that we're used to seeing your Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash type guys. Like he's Mm -hmm. kind of like a B list character through DC. Yeah. So, uh, I remember being excited that we were very excited for Wonder Woman 84 when that first trailer dropped and the fucking blue Mondays bumping through it. I was like, damn, this is getting me pumped. Yeah. So like, I'm not just straight out of the gate, like, fuck it because it's DC. I'm saying fuck this because it looks like dog shit. We already know the first Justice League movie was crap. 
and I don't trust this is going to be any better. Yeah. We did this last episode. I just want to bring it up real quick, maybe just a couple minutes on it. Big yep. WandaVision spoilers now because the series oh. is over and we've both watched it. Yep. So skip yes. ahead like three minutes if you haven't watched it. Skip ahead 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Don't listen to this episode. Wait, wait. Turn the fucking episode off because yeah. we're going to talk WandaVision. We're going to do the trailer park and then the rest of the show's in Korean. So yeah, <laughs> most of our audience is going to be next once we start that this is gonna be like especially when i find out we don't actually know korean they're gonna be like these guys are racist (laughs) well i was gonna say it's like uh wayne's world he learns cantonese in like (laughs) a day (laughs) yeah oh my god we should do that we should learn korean like before this episode drops and like go back and like edit it (laughs) we can do it in like what what day is today it's fucking like friday (laughs) we we can do it in like three to four days (laughs) I was going to say, considering I the only, like, words I retained in French were pool because I could rhyme it with, um, like, don't piss in my pool, and then moose because, like, it's a funny word. There's there's no shot mm-hmm. at me retaining Cantonese or Korean. I know a little bit of Korean because uh, I used to I used to work at a store with a, a number of uh, older Korean women, mm-hmm. and I would I would fuck around all the time. And this one this one woman I worked with would always uh, yell at me. She th- she pointed wag her fingers at me and go boo how boo how. I'm like what's that? She's like it means you're bad. You're bad. You're being bad. Oh okay. So now yeah, so boo how I guess is like when you're like I don't know if it's necessarily the word for just bad or if it like. You know how like there's weird translations where it's like it means like to be a bad person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. So I I don't I don't claim to a hundred percent understand it. I all I know is I would act a fool. She would say boo how, and I would just be like, yeah, what of it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad as fuck. <laughs> I'm bad to the bone. <laughs> bad to the bone. Bring me some of them stinky onion pancakes. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she would always bring them in. And they stunk up the whole back of the store. It was wild. But they're they're really tasty. But fuck, did they smell like farts? <laughs> Maybe that's... Give me them fart pancakes. Yeah. That's the secret ingredient. She's just ripping ass. But anyway, yeah, WandaVision. Into we Tupperware. Got, we got to get back to it. <laughs> okay, now, now you can skip ahead 10, 15, 20, 30 yeah. minutes, maybe two hours. People sk- actually skipped ahead three minutes, and now we're starting it. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked you, fucker. <laughs> oh, my God. Where do we even begin? I was texting you. I was ready to call you. I was like, call me, call me, call me. I have so much to talk about. Yeah. The implications of this fucking show. I think I told you, I might have said it on mic, or I don't remember if I said it just in our conversation, but the, one of the reasons why I love Doctor Strange so much, also I went back and watched Doctor Strange the other day. Man, I still really love that movie. But I said way back in the day when we were just hanging out, playing music together and talking movies, I was like, Doctor Strange is one of the more important movies in the MCU, or one of the better movies in the MCU, not because the movie itself is necessarily better, but because of what ramifications and what implications the movie has on the rest of the greater MCU and like what it does. So I, again, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or if I just said it to you and us talking, but if Dr. Strange opened the door for the mystical side of the, of the Marvel universe, WandaVision blew the fucking house down. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, 
you basically said that last episode. You also said that they're pulling some some deep deep knowledge, you know, and characters from the comics. So I did a little research oh, and yeah. stuff, but um, I also think this might give us a little bit of an idea of how the Eternals fit into the equation. Mm-hmm. Do, you, is, do you think so? Because I think they're they're pulling a character that's basically like like the gods, right? Isn't it gods that like created like life basically in the galaxy? Because isn't like Gaia yeah, one like that? And then I'm trying to remember the name of the. It's like Cthulhu. I think is the one that that something like that. I know it's similar to like Cthulhu, but yeah. it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's like the god of chaos who basically is chaos magic. Like yeah. so. Even in the comics, like, Doctor Strange, like, in the comics, as the Sorcerer Supreme was like, there's no such thing as chaos magic. Never heard of it. It, The shit was just completely erased from history. Like, this god is so gnarly, and he fucked up so much shit that all the other gods were just like, nobody speaks his name. Like, fuck Voldemort. Not this whole cutesy, like, we still talk about him, but we call him, like, he whose name should not be spoken. This was straight up gods were just across the multiverse, nobody ever speaks this person's name again buried 100% buried nobody fucking talk about him there's no such thing as chaos magic this person never existed to to think about him brings him back to life keep him the fuck out of your head and it worked but that motherfucker used like his own skin and wrote like this dark ritual book called the dark hold which Again, huge spoiler is the book in the uh, in Wandavision that she she gets. she gets a hold of the dark hold. Now that chaos god again don't re- really know how to pronounce his name. He basically is the dark hold. He is in the dark hold. That's his like it's written on his flesh. So he uses it to possess people. Essentially, he's trying to find a vessel that can bring him back, or he can use to like leech onto to come back into like a physical form and basically just slaughter the fucking universe. Mm-hmm. So it's just unbridled, unfiltered power. It's just pure fucking power. Like Wanda at this point now, she already was like, I've been telling you, I'm like, she's supp- she should be the most powerful Avenger. She absolutely is. Not only is she the most powerful Avenger, she is the most powerful being we have ever seen in the MCU. She is stronger now especially with the dark hold, even without the dark hold, her power is, is greater than Thanos with all of the stones in the gauntlet. She can still beat him with all of the stones, her as the full force Scarlet witch with through chaos magic. She's a nexus being. So a nexus being means they exist across every level of the multiverse. There are a few constants in the multiverse and she is one of them. So every universe that exists has a Scarlet Witch and it is Wanda. Like she is the Scarlet Witch across the multiverse. That's crazy. We haven't seen any Nexus beings in the movies yet. The exception, I don't know. See, there's such a weird hierarchy between like the Eternals and the, the Nexus beings. And then you have like um, like the Living Tribunal and Eternity and, and then you have like the watchers, but they're their own thing. Cause they're like, um, yeah, like I don't, I don't remember exactly where like the hierarchy of everything. And then you have the one above all and the one below all. And just, it just, when you get into all of that stuff, it gets really insane. But that's what I mean. Like they're pulling from some really deep 
comic book history. Yeah. And some of it is more modern comic book history, but still like stuff that just your average MCU moviegoer is not going to know what the fuck you're talking about. It sounds batshit insane, but the implication of that power level, Wanda right now, especially with the Darkhold, potentially corrupting her, she has the ability to cease all life across the multiverse, not just like Earth, like legitimately collapse space and time in every universe simultaneously and rewrite everything. Granted, if she did that, the living tribunal would step in and snap his fingers and basically be like, you either undo this right now or I erase you from all existence ever, which they are capable the living tribunal is capable of doing basically like the second most powerful being in the entire universe. But yeah, man, like it's deep, deep nerddom, like deep nerdy shit. And I can't believe they're going where they're going because it is that that's all grand scheme, big picture stuff. I don't think they're going there anytime soon, but the fact is that whether she wants to or not, Wanda is the most dangerous being in the MCU, even if she's on the side of good because she is unknowingly wielding chaos magic, reading the dark hold and like unknowingly bringing back this chaos God. I think that's why like this more so solidifies my idea that when she does show up in Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange is going to come to her for help, but Mm -hmm. then through them helping, he's going to witness her power and be like, that's a fucking problem and we need to put her in check. And then once he starts trying to cage her kind of, you're going to have like a dark Phoenix type thing where it's just like, Oh, I'm so powerful. None of you people understand me. Nobody accepts me. I've always been this fucking science experiment or whatever to everybody. And now the people who I was supposed to trust are doing it to me as well. And then he'll employ the help of the Avengers to try and like bring her down. And then she will full force push into villain. Yeah. See, that's what I was going to say. I um I did a little research like with the comics and to see if um I think I'm pretty sure it's Catholo is how, how it's pronounced, but if he ever actually fully takes over Wanda because they interact in the comics. Like I'm I'm pretty sure the book was like kept in the mountains where she was born in the comics and stuff like that. So she gets the the book then and the book possesses her a few times, but she's able to fight it off. Like it's not like a huge event type thing. So, right. I don't I don't think that it's ever going to be a thing where she gets like fully possessed and then like this being is able to come back type thing. I think it's I think this is going to lead into her becoming a, a villain on her own, which is still going to be a huge event. And yeah, I think Doctor Strange is going to be he's going to see that she's got the dark hole and she's learning that type of magic and he's going to be like I think he's going to ask for the book because there's one book missing in the library from Doctor Strange and it Seems like it's most likely, right? Yeah, it's most likely the dark hole, which is is cool because the spot that it's missing from is right next to the book for the dark dimension that has all the stuff for Dormammu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it almost seems like that whole section is like this is the dark magic, this is the place where it's like only the Sorcerer Supreme can really like we are understand this stuff. Yeah, and I think that for sure. I think when people start to challenge her, like Dr. Strange or whatever, or if maybe like, maybe she's basically just like, hey, let me go to like Dr. Strange because I'm like, I'm trying to bring my kids back or something like that. And he's basically like unwilling to help her. I think she's going to go back to Agnes. It seems almost like the way that they left that off where she's just like, I'm going to leave you here. Like, I know where to find you. Like, 
she's I definitely think she's gonna go back to Agnes and uh, yeah, she's gonna have to. Yeah, this isn't really a prediction, but just thinking how cool it would be. There's been a lot of talk about Mephisto, and I think people expected him to show up in WandaVision. I still think they're gonna do Mephisto eventually. I wonder if they've already planned him out. Oh, that's the tease. That's the tease in the post credit. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to actually do it full, like in hell or whatever, but they've said that Doctor Strange 2 is going to be their first horror movie ever. Mm-hmm. It would be fucking awesome if they end up going into hell. Like, that's the way they do it. It's like, it's going to be like... Dude, it's Sam Raimi who made Drag Me to Hell, hell. and like yeah. Evil Dead and stuff. Mm-hmm. That would make sense why they hired him to do it, to because who better to tackle something like that but also for it to be fun so it can be scary but also fun so you're not losing that younger demographic but you, but you are adding an edge and a darkness that has not existed in the MCU until that point I think that's exactly what they should do I'm sure we might I don't know if the whole thing will be that or if it just ends there or something um, but to back to the the post credit for WandaVision the thing ends and she's like flipping through the dark hold and then she hears her children. Right. Mm-hmm. But we believed her children don't exist anymore. Cause they were just a project or a product of the hex. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you, well, do you know about the lore be- behind her yeah. children? Yeah. They're shard, actual so, shards of Mephisto of the devil, basically. Yeah. They're shards of Mephisto's soul that he like separated out so that they're Horcruxes. <laughs> yeah. So, when she could, because the chaos magic, she's just drawing all sorts of power and she doesn't know what she's wielding. So like in the comics, when her kids are created, they're actually created from when Agatha Harkness dies, Mm -hmm. like Agatha Harkness dies. And then basically like Wanda hears her voice and then Agatha Harkness tells her like, use my power. Like that left my body, use that power to create your children. So she basically harnesses that power, does that, but in doing that, she's also drawing from these other places so those shards of Mephisto's soul get adopted into the kids. So the children, even though they're gone as a part of their attachment to the Hex, their souls exist. But I think they're screaming out because they're back in Mephisto's realm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is that the kids might actually be in hell or something like that. Yeah, so now she'll she'll have to go and find them or something, or she'll have to track them down. Yeah. Because another thing is like they get reincarnated essentially, like not as brothers, but like they're reborn. This is later comic stuff. This is Young Avengers stuff. It was more recent, but they get like reincarnated. They're um, what's their names? Wiccan and Speed, but they're not brothers in that point. Like they're born separately, other parts of the world, and then they end up meeting each other, and they're like what the fuck is this? Like they feel like this, this kinship with each other. And they also look very much alike. And everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Are you guys like, then they find out basically like we are the reincarnation of Wanda and visions children. Mm. Okay. So they, they figure, they figure out their souls are actually reborn. So there's a lot of like weird stuff when it gets into that. But yeah, I think, I think that's definitely where they're going. I think they're, they're, the children still exist. Their souls still exist, but them being fragments of Mephisto, I don't think she knows she drew that power, but I think that's uh, 100% a, a really cool place they can go, and it's a good way to eventually set up younger characters and keep the MCU alive, which clearly they're doing with introducing like Monica Rambeau, you know, adding her power set. Mm-hmm. 
I think they're setting themselves up for long-term game. And what better way than be like, let's go to fucking hell, fight the devil, free these two souls who end up becoming Avengers in the comic books years later. Yeah. This could just be a line just to like appease like the comic fan, like that they know of the, but they call them demon spawn, uh, Quicksilver or, or Ralph Boner <laughs> just calls. Yeah. He calls uh, the children demon spawn in one of the episodes. And it's like, either mm-hmm. that's just a clever line because comic fans will know what they're talking about. Or that's like, Somehow that person can sense it, and that's why he says it. Or it's just a well. Know. The words that he's saying is is actually Agatha controlling him. True, true, yeah. Um, so she probably knows. Yeah. So that I mean that'd be cool, and um, yeah. I mean there was there was one other thing that I wanted to touch on. Oh, uh, the new outfit, her new costume, is really good. Oh my god! Love yeah, it. finally like. Finally has like the headpiece and everything like really they were just like boom she is the Scarlet Witch which when she was introduced the only reason they couldn't call her Scarlet Witch is mm-hmm. because of the Fox deal yeah so now that they like fully own it and they finally refer to her as I loved that way that way of doing it where like the Scarlet Witch isn't just what she calls herself it's a moniker that it's kind of like just exists in in the pantheon of like the MCU like anybody or not anybody could be the, the scarlet witch but like it's not it's not like she's like i'm gonna call myself this it's yeah, like it, no it you means are this yeah yeah it has meaning so i actually really like that dude i really liked wandavision i do not think it's perfect there's definitely some episodes like it has some up and down and i think it does a little bit of meandering and then it just feels very like when when it was like oh next week's the finale i was like how yeah, like the, how, um, how is it going to just wrap up? I feel like there's a, I mean, it makes sense that there's a lot of loose ends because it is a continuing story throughout the greater MCU. But man, I don't know. Some parts of it, I felt like, I wish, I wish we dragged this out versus I wish we tightened this other stuff up. Yeah, th- I was gonna say for me, like the finale, the last episode, um, it's okay. Like I, I felt like it falls into the action movie trappings a little bit yeah. but but the post credit scenes that they give you and really like the last you know little bit setting up you know her character leaving her children vision and then the post credits and stuff like that that's where like the holy shit stuff is um because we watched the episode and i was again like there was a lot of stuff in the series in general where i'm like i'm enjoying it i'm not loving it but then there's things sprinkled in where you're like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I'm looking forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which comes out next week, actually. I know. It's crazy how close they're coming out now. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a little worried about it just because from what we've seen, like WandaVision, when you saw it, like the trailer and stuff, you're like, this looks really unique. This looks like it's going to hold my interest. Like they're doing something different. And I'm, I'm very interested in it. I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, from what we've seen, Again, has the trappings of feeling the most like actiony generic. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm I get what you gonna, mean. I'm probably gonna enjoy it, but like, I also don't want the whole thing to be like we're on a mission. Let's fucking blow shit up, and it's just like an action crazy. You know, I don't. I don't want that. I just want to know how they're able to release these shows without the movies having come out. That makes me think Black Widow is gonna be very much standing on its own thing. Obviously, it's a prequel to like where we're at now. And these are taking place post Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I think um, Black Widow 
like it's going to be a nice send off for that character. But I think Florence Pugh is going to be important to it because they've said that she's in some of these Disney plus shows. So maybe that's like, like you were kind of saying, planting the seeds of younger characters to like end up in other things. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, they had no problem. The release was supposed to be black widow eternals, then Shang Chi. And they flip flopped a few of them. Now it's black widow, Shang Chi, Eternals Spider-Man. So I think this was cool. I do think that the first couple of movies are almost going to be a little bit of like a feeling out process, not even like a feeling out process. It's just like, we got to throw a few like movies in there that might feel like they're standalone things at first, but then they'll tie in like later. Well, they're also rebirthing the entire franchise essentially. Like obviously there's going to be a lot of carryover, but like you're coming off the tail end of end game and like, yeah, it's a hard reset. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to, to watch Falcon and WandaVision was a good time. I think, uh, I was excited for it already, but I, they did a great job. I think overall. So yeah, that's all the Marvel talk we can handle for, for now, especially considering we're not even talking about comic book movies this week. <laughs> yeah, Cause no. you know, we're, we're talking like actual like art, like <laughs> film, cinema, and uh, you know, fucking trailer park. Oh, whoops. Everyone God damn it. <laughs> the trailer park stick has failed me. <laughs> I was waiting. Son of a bitch. Oh, fuck. Shit. No. <laughs> fuck. Shit. I hit the fart button and then I started playing the Wait. goddamn theme song. <laughs> uh, what are we talking today? Well, sir. We don't have another movie quite like Minari to talk about. So mm-hmm. we're just going to talk about a movie that we feel like talking about. And yeah. I think you're going to notice the connection right away because <laughs> both of these movies start with the letter M because we're talking about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we you know, I realized talk- afterwards <laughs> last week, there was actually a connection between the Snyder cut and Judas and the Black Messiah, and it's they're, they're both movies being released on HBO Max. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the connection there, which we didn't put together uh, back then. Yeah. This is being released on HBO Max. Is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. This one I might want to see in theaters. Uh, I was going to say, like, we'll, we'll get into it and everything, but uh, when they announced that HBO deal, I was, uh, I still am, I'm, I'm of the mindset, like, whatever movies I can see in theater, I'm going to see. But then I looked at it and I was like, Mortal Kombat. Okay. Like I'll I'll watch that at home. I don't need to go to see in the theater. I watched this trailer and I was like, I kind of want to go see it in the theater now. But yeah, I mean, it's fucking Mortal Kombat. Like, yeah, I, I love Mortal Kombat. Like that's honestly, I'm not big into fighting games, but every Mortal Kombat game I buy and I play the shit out of it for like a couple weeks to a month or whatever, however long it takes me to beat the campaign, all the challenges and get everything in the game. And uh, like, I'm not good at them, but I love them. And so much of like, it's, it's funny. Cause like when I was like five, the first console I got was a, a Genesis. And, like one of the first games I got was Mortal Kombat two for it, which uh, is definitely not for a like five year old, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, just a lot, a lot of nostalgia there. And a lot of the things that I want to say about this we should probably watch the trailer for it first, but yeah, just in, in general. Yeah. Let's just watch the trailer. Cause I'm going to start spoiling stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go into all of about the trailer. If we don't watch it first, pop off sis, the red band. It's on here for a long time. Yeah. Five seconds. First Jeez. learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. 
superhuman ability that's what the fuck i'm talking about that's yeah so that's the thing the the first movies were i think they were pg-13 they weren't rated r it's a birthmark yeah i don't even think they were pg-13 i think they were pg yeah if you're gonna do mortal kombat it's gotta be rated r or at least the second one i think was pg maybe the first one was pg-13 might have been like a teenage mutant ninja turtles scenario where like the first movie was they were like this is too gritty like maybe tone it down yeah Dragon marking. They're going for it here. Oh, this scene right here is so fucking good. Like, I cannot wait yeah. to watch this in theaters. Oh. See, I love. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> Dude, I don't need a good, a good, amazing fucking story. I just need the fucking fights. I need the Mortal Kombat of it. Yeah. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground, we will not fail. I like the characters they're pulling for, too. I mean, it's a lot of, like, the MK1 characters, but... Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh. <laughs> oh. Get over here. Finish Kind of wins. You fucking beauty. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did All fucking uh, Sub-Zero just walk into the room? Because I got chills, bro. <laughs> okay. Now we can talk openly about it. Yo, I'm a sub for Sub-Zero. <laughs> yeah? You're a sub for Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero <laughs> is my dom. <laughs> my dominant king. <laughs> you said it when we were watching it, and... I don't expect this to be like a good movie, but I want it to be entertaining. And those original Mortal Kombat movies, like they don't really don't do it for me. Like as much as I like the games, they don't do it for me. But this, I'm like, this looks cool. And then I watched a an interview with the director because we've we've talked about like uh, I think we mentioned on an episode, but this director uh, Simon McQuaid, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's like done nothing. I'm pretty sure this is his first film, really. Um, mm -hmm. I think his, uh, the only other credit he has is a short. So I don't know how you'd feel about that, but then like the writers pretty cool about, it. uh, Dave Callahan, he is the writer on Shang-Chi. He was the writer on the first Godzilla movie and like, um, what, what's Zombieland double tap, Zombieland double tap. He was the writer. Yeah. on. So I'm like, okay, those are all like, I'm cool with all those movies, but, uh, I was listening to the director and he's like talking about the movie and everything he's saying, I'm like, oh, this guy might actually know what the fuck he's doing right now. <laughs> and uh, so there's just a lot of cool decisions that they made with this that I'm I'm really excited for. Just one of them in general. If you've played Mortal Kombat and you know the story, like story's kind of whatever. It's really not like anything to write home about. It's just a, a tournament. Yeah. And all the realms come together and they fight each other. So like 
I think from a movie standpoint, I'm like, I don't really need to like see another like Liu Kang centric Mortal Kombat movie because it's been done before and it's pretty stale. We've had video game reboots, movies and stuff, and they have made a new character that's not in any of the games for this movie. And that's basically like your proxy is everything that that character finds out is when the audience finds out about certain things. So hmm. I kind of like that because, again, like I said, Something like new. Yeah, it, it, it is new. He basically said, like, I hope, uh, you know, people don't hate me for this, but we thought that this was a good, like, creative decision. And I was like, OK, that's really cool. And then also he's one of those guys that wants to have everything in the shot real. So, like, I think the fight scenes are going to be really good. They've hired all like actual martial artists for the most part for these fight sequences and like actors. So maybe the acting won't be great. Oh, well, but the fight scenes might be dope. And then they Dude, show, just a like, little bit of the sub zero scorpion fight. I'm like, Ooh, when he, yeah, when he slices him and then as he like the blood splatters and he like throws his hand up quick to freeze it and turns it into a fucking like icicle and yeah. then stabs him with <laughs> it and then throws him through an ice wall. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> that is such cool fight choreography. And it's so specific to the characters in the game. That's what it needs to be. Like, I feel like so much of those first movies, it was just a lot of regular martial arts. And then occasionally like, something like some sort of catchphrase the character would do or like one move. This yeah. seems like real fights, like, and they're really integrating like character traits and like the moves from the game. Like this seems like it's made by people who love the mortal Kombat game and are just like, this is what a mortal Kombat movie should be. Should be fucking bloody violent as many characters as you can just fucking bloodshed. And it needs to be, it needs to have good fights in it. It's a fighting game. The whole point of the game is just straight up fighting. Fight, 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 fight. Literally every match starts with fight. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's all it needs. Just give me the awesome fights. Yo, Sub-Zero freezing Jax's arms and giving that backstory. Love that. Love that little bit of detail where it's like you're really weaving mm -hmm. together these character stories. I'm into it. I just want to see what... If it's fun and it's fucking bloody and crazy, I think I'm going to like it. Like, yeah. like you said, I'm not expecting fucking cinema dell'arte. Like, I'm not... You know what I mean? Like, I'm not ex expecting to, like, walk out of the movie crying and be like, man, I really need to re-examine the relationship with my father. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just want to see some fucking... I want to see somebody's head get cut off. Like, let's let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. Fatality, bitch. I want to see a babality. I want to see someone turn into a fucking baby. Animality. There you go. They kind of... I mean, they don't show an animality, but they show Liu Kang making the drag, the fire dragon one part. Like, thought oh, that was know. cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, you know, just going off, like, the filming and stuff real quick, the last thing... He said, like, we wanted to, like, shoot, like, on location. Like, we didn't want to use, like, a ton of, like, CGI for a lot of things. And there's a shot... If anyone goes to like 45 seconds in the trailer, it's just a landscape. It's a real landscape. They said they shot on location for everything. So like the background with like the planet and stuff is CGI, but like they made a conscious decision where they're like, we're going to show you everything in frame for the most part. We're like, we're going to shoot on location. We're not going to be CGI heavy. So I think the fight scenes are going to be badass. I think the world building is going to be really cool on this. And then the last thing that I wanted to hit on is what you were talking about. Like they look like they fucking like the game and they know the characters and that scene in the middle that we were talking about with, with Scorpion and like, I think that's awesome. Cause that's Scorpion, uh, pre Scorpion basically. Like that's like his like origin. And, uh, 
it looks like I'm pretty sure his family died. He's like getting revenge on the people and stuff. But I like that they're like setting up the characters and putting them in places where it's like it's not just oh this fucking yellow ninja showed up and now he's gonna run house on people. Like they're actually getting you like putting the characters in place, showing you their backstory, and then you're talking about the fight scenes. Like they're using signature moves from all the games and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm actually into it. Like I said, I was. Basically, just kind of like I'll watch that at home. I don't need to. And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Could Mortal Kombat actually be a good time? Like, this looks like it's actually pretty cool." <laughs> I want to at least see it in IMAX. I might go Dolby. I don't even give a fuck. Like, I'm about it. I'm yeah. about it. About it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he he said but, like he said from the get go like we're we're doing it rated R. We're putting fatalities in it. Like, so I don't. Yeah, dude, that. The whole last like four seconds of this trailer is just straight up people getting murdered. Like mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Murder, 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 murder. Like it's <laughs> fucking dope. I'm all about it. I don't care if they introduce us to 20 characters and kill 15 of them. Let's fucking go. <laughs> That's what the Suicide Squad's going to be also. <laughs> I know. I'm all about You know what? If 2021 is the year of like a thousand deaths in movies, let's fucking do it. Like <laughs> why not? Right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm surprisingly into it. Didn't think that was gonna happen. Uh, you got anything else on uh on MK? I don't. But now that we're all juiced up on action and adrenaline, let's talk about Minari. <laughs> 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 Makes no sense. These movies are so polar opposite in tone. I know, in ev- like in every single way. <laughs> So there's no, there's nothing even closely relating these two. The letter M. Yeah, we're we're basically we're just going off. Hopefully everybody fucking dies in this movie. Blood, death. All right. Anyway, family drama. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Farms, crops, <laughs> crops. Everybody. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, we're coming down to the end of our 2020 movies. And we've been saying that we wanted to hit a few of the bigger ones. Minari's been getting a lot of praise. It was nominated for a Golden Globe, won a Golden Globe. There's a good chance it's going to be nominated for an Oscar, maybe a few. So we wanted to hit this. There's going to be a few movies that are nominated for Best Picture that we probably won't have episodes on, which is unfortunate, but that's kind of how the year went because like we've pushed the duties back like two months now and the father still hasn't. As of today, the father just came out. But I think we pushed the duties back yep. like too far, and I don't know. We'll see. But this is one that we wanted to hit that we had access to. So Lee Isaac Chung, he is the director and writer of this movie. Uh, he directed Abigail Harm and Lucky Life. Little fun fact: this movie is basically biographical or autobiographical. I guess uh, it's about his hmm. life. So it's kind of cool. I was wondering about that because mm-hmm. he is director and writer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the A twenty four special. Yep, yes it is. And um, Stephen Yen, he plays Jacob. Uh, obviously, everyone knows him as Glenn from The Walking Dead. He he will never not be Glenn. But he's been doing a lot of cool stuff in movies. He's in Sorry to Bother You. He's in Okja. Uh, Yeri Han, she plays Monica. Uh, she's in Worst Woman. Uh, Alan S Kim and Noel Cho. I think it's Noel and Noel, but they play David and Anne. These are both their feature film debuts. Uh, Yujung yeah. Yoon, she plays Sunya. Uh, she's from The Housemaid. And then Will Patton, he plays Paul. And you probably know him from either Armageddon or uh, I guess the newest Halloween, I'm pretty sure he was in, in The Mothman Prophecies. But yeah, man, uh, I was looking forward to talking to you about this because 
we we don't do a lot of foreign films on the show. I think the only one we've done before this is Parasite, right? Is that the only other foreign film we've done? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You now, talked to me briefly on the last year's duties about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but we didn't do a full episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned it also um, in a What to Watch episode but yeah we never this is i think our only our second re, uh review and i will say this i don't i'm not entirely sure if this is a foreign film it's actually not it's yeah so it's it's made in america it's an american film but it's made by an asian american writer director starring predominantly asian american cast and it's what 80 percent of the script is in korean it reminds me a lot of um the farewell in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think that's why they changed the title of that category in the in the Oscars because I think it used to be called international film but now it's called uh best picture in a foreign language. Yeah. Mhm. That way these movies that are American made but are in another language can be can qualify because they're not it's not a foreign film. It's just a non-English speaking language film. Yeah. I actually, I looked it up because it was like, you know, knew that he's uh, Korean American and grew up in America. I'm pretty sure he was like born in Colorado. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But uh, I looked up, the, Brad Pitt's a producer on this movie. Like, hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know where, you, where to start or where you want to start, but this movie, I think definitely fits in line with a lot of those kind of like a 24 slice of life movies uh, where you, you're just watching a family be a family for a lot of the movie. Yeah. My first note is uh, it's a 24 be like, we're making a movie about a family choose a half of them are brutally murdered and it's super tragic or B uh, it's bright and sunny and beautifully shot and things might be sad, but sometimes things are happy. <laughs> yeah. That's basically it. That's basically it. It's just like, like I imagine every pitch meeting at A24 is just like this. It's like, okay, so I heard you got a movie for me. What happens? So it's about a family. I'm going to stop you right there. How many of them die? None of them. All right. Who do you got for cinematography? Okay, cool. If it's going to look beautiful, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. It's either got to be heartfelt or heartbreaking. Nothing yeah. in between. Um. Lachlan, I think it's Lachlan Milne is the cinematographer on this movie. He was the cinematographer on Love and Monsters. A little fun fact. Wow. Yeah. And these uh, do not look the same at, at all. all. No, they don't. He was also he's he's one of the cinematographers on some of the Stranger Things episodes, um, and also Little hmm. Monsters, which came out last year. And then uh, Hunt God for the Wilder Monsters. People. Yeah, he likes he loves monsters and Hunt for the Wilder People. So, which I think okay. ha- that movie has great cinematography. But yeah, man, I, uh, I, I turned this movie on and I kind of expected it to be something like that, but, uh, my favorite thing about the movie, and I think it's pretty evident right away is, uh, the, I love the characters in this movie. I think the characters are great. Yeah. Yeah. Very real. Like this movie feels very real. And obviously this is not my life experience. Like I didn't, I didn't live through anything like this. I'm a fucking white guy born in America to two white parents who were born in America, you know? Yeah. So like, I think, um, I think this, these characters feel very real and it makes sense. That's kind of why, like, I was like, I wonder if this is like biographical in some way, because these characters do feel like 
even like right out of the gate, like it doesn't take a long time to believe that this is a family that like, I, I understood their relationships with each other. I, it felt like very natural. Like everything felt very natural. And, um, yeah, like I, a movie like this is on the back of its characters, obviously. Like it's, there's not like, um, it's not like there's action set pieces. There's no horror element. Like when you have a, a, a movie that's centered around just, I like how you put it like slice of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just seeing like a portion of time of this family's life, like them moving to a new place and adapting to their new surroundings and things like that. And then you have like the struggles of parenting and, you know, the drive of the father. And like, there's a lot of like really honest and heartfelt and real elements to this movie that are all happening at the same time. Cause that's exactly how life is. It's not all like, okay, first we'll talk, tackle this issue. And then we'll tackle this issue. A lot of these things run concurrently. Mm-hmm. So, um, everything about this felt very real. And I think, um, I think it looked fucking like right away. It caught my eye. I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, duh. a 24. I'm like this. It looks really nice. Like it's very, I, I loved like the color palette they were working with. And I think, um, yeah, I think it just that added to that element of realism. Like it felt very natural. A lot of the light. Mm-hmm. I think also just in general, they did a great job with like their, I guess like set and production design because uh, the movie is uh, like a period piece. I'm pretty sure it takes place in the eighties. Right. Um, yeah. Like mid eighties or something. Yeah. And like, they definitely were able to make this movie almost like a time capsule of living in a specific part of the U S in that time. And um, I mean, also just in general, there was like a lot of things that that time period, like really enhanced the movie for me. Like, I I really liked watching like the, the farming scenes of anything and like and also just like the yeah. weird like I've never heard of chicken sexing <laughs> ever. Oh yeah. And like or maybe it's just like I never really thought about it but like yeah it's just like this like you know business that people had to run and people barely got paid on it and it's just something that like you know people who came over from the US that needed to or you know people who came over to the US uh, had to do that to like make ends meet basically. But so many of the characters I got wrapped up in and I didn't even really notice it until like halfway through the, the movie. Like once like the crops started like coming in and stuff, I was like rooting so hard for uh, Steven Yen's character. And then mm-hmm. there's a part maybe like halfway through the movie with the, like I love the son grandma relationship in the movie. And there's a part maybe yeah. like, halfway through the movie with like health concerns that I like tensed up thinking that something was going to happen. Like I was, I was very, I really didn't want something to happen. Cause I would have felt so bad for the family. And like about halfway through, I was like, damn, like this movie's actually really effective in getting me to like care about these characters. And I didn't even realize it until like halfway through basically. Um, but that's like, yeah, the whole movie is sold on that. Like, if that doesn't work, then the movie doesn't work, really. And, uh, dude, they they pack a lot of emotion into this movie. I think mm-hmm. they do a really good job. Like I like I said, running them concurrently, but also like spacing certain things out enough for you to kind of like take it all in and soak in that, and move on. Like, and I think there is like a good amount of like levity in between. 
Because really, like, the grandma-son relationship, I think, brings the most levity to the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Until a certain point, because up until that point, you you have a lot of um, arguing between the mother and father, and there's, like, this, there's the tension there with, like, these children, and they're, like, everybody's in a new place, but, like, the kids are just, like, very quiet. They're in the other room having to listen to their parents argue all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's that's rough, and that, that creates some tension in there. And then when the grandma comes, there's, like, it's not really tension, but just, like, that contentious relationship between, like, how the grandson is reacting to the grandma and how he's just, like, so not into her. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, but that kind of breed, that breeds, like, a little bit of... Um, a little bit of humor, like there's some there's some funny stuff there. I mean, I can't I can't even count how many times I've pissed in my grandma's tea. <laughs> this time, at this point, she should be expecting it. She's practically begging for it. Yeah, <laughs> give me your pee. <laughs> give me that pee. <laughs> I don't want a cup of tea. I want a cup of pee. <laughs> Different letter entirely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I in general, I um, I just felt like the movie is very feels very honest. It feels like very raw, and um, I don't. I I was watching it, and nothing about it felt cinematic, which I think is just why I, it felt it felt honest. Like it felt after I found out that this was a life experience of his, I was like, it makes sense because nothing is played off like these like huge dramatic sequences. Or like you know, th- there are some big arguments, but I don't know. It's nothing felt like they were playing it up for the camera or whatever. And things just happen in the movie, and the characters kind of have to move on and you know pick pick themselves back up. But it's never. I don't know. I I never felt like it was. I really just felt like I was watching a family live their life, which is the best compliment I could give the movie, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think you're right. And I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie. Like I said, this is not my life experience at all, but like, there's a lot of things that I think resonate. Like it doesn't have to be that you're, you know, first generation immigrant to America to like really understand like where these people are coming from. Something I really like about this movie too, is like, they're in like kind of middle America, like kind of South America. Where are they? Is it like Arkansas or something or Ari- not Arizona? Um, where I, are they? I forgot. I thought, I thought it was Arkansas, but if you give me a I second, think I'll so. But generally, like especially for the eighties, you would think like going to like a very rural white area of the country and farming and like doing this and like they do touch on. Um, some of the prejudice that he's up against in terms of if people are going to buy crops from him because he is foreign and what kind of like struggles he has with that. But something I really liked about this movie is that it doesn't show them directly dealing with um, outright bigotry, but it does show them uh, living with ignorance, which there is a difference. And I think a big problem when talking about these things is that people use the term ignorant when they actually mean bigoted, but ignorance just comes from not understanding or not knowing, not having that experience. Like it can be okay to be ignorant as long as you are trying to learn, you know, 
So mm-hmm. like there's a scene where they go to church and then the daughter is um is standing on her own and like another girl comes up and is just like, Oh, can I like she's like, Where are you from? And she's like, Oh Korea. And she's like, Oh, can I like say things and you stop me if I say something in your language? She's like, Sure. And then immediately the girl's like, Ching Chong, Bing Bong, Ding Dong, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like but it it doesn't feel like gross, like, oh, this girl's coming up to taunt her. It's like coming from a genuine place of like they've never met anybody from an Asian country. So like there that is the difference between like ignorance and straight up like prejudice or bigotry or like hatred mm-hmm. of like of that. And I thought that that was like a really cool dynamic that you don't really see a lot of of like addressing that side of things. And like I thought that was interesting that like people in the town weren't like, oh my God, get them out of here. They were just like, they were asking questions and it was ignorant, but none of it felt like malicious, uh, gross or pointed or malicious. Yeah. So I thought that was like a really cool, interesting element that I don't think gets explored enough in movies like this. So I thought, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a ton left that I wanted to talk about it. Like for me, the biggest thing is the characters. And I think that is the movie right there and their story and I do have like a couple small negatives, mainly like I think it takes a little bit of time to get going. The pacing is a little slow at first. I think the movie in general mm-hmm. might be a little slow, but it's probably it's, it's probably a product of what kind of movie it is. But mainly in the beginning, because it gets going, you're not sure where it is. But then about halfway through, even if even though it was slow, I was so into the characters that I didn't care. Yeah. But uh, I think my biggest complaint is just the events right before like the end, they felt, they felt kind of rushed a little bit. Yeah. There's a conflict that seems to come to a head with the mom. And then I guess, I guess this is spoilers, but there's the conflict. There's this fire. Everything happens. It cuts. It's like X amount of time. And then everything seems okay. They go, the crop ends. I'm just like, I, w- I wish there was a little bit more going on in particular, maybe just afterwards because it just fades to black and then you have to kind of put together what happened in that time. I don't think it's that hard to put together what happened with the family and how they fix things, but I don't know. It just, it felt a little rushed to me. Yeah. It's tough with movies like this because how do you end it? Especially if it is just like a moment of time in a family's life, like life just continues on. So it's like, where do you cut it? Like, where do you, what do you use as a finale? What do you use as the end? I don't think ending it with the fire would have been great either. Like, uh, yeah, it's kind of tough. Like, I feel like anytime you have a movie like this, it's just kind of going to end. This is the same kind of issue I had with first cow. First cow is just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like yeah, I I'll I'll say this. I like all the events. I just felt like it was felt like the whole movie is at a pretty deliberate slow pace, and then the last like five minutes are like sprinting a little bit. It was just kind of like yeah. Well, you can blame grandma. Fuck grandma (laughs) on this, man. Who the fuck let grandma start a fire? Like where who who let her just like be around unsupervised? First of all, like she had a medical incident. Maybe like somebody keep an eye on her. Like, not even for the sake of, like, making sure she doesn't, I don't know, ruin your entire season of crops and your livelihood. (laughs) Yeah. That you've been having a hard enough time unloading, and now they're just all burnt up. Like, dude, fucking old people are a plague. (laughs) 
I <laughs> I will say though, uh, like the events that happen, like I don't really feel like this is a movie that's like meant to like. Again, I I think it feels real. I don't think it's going for like the cinematic nature of like we need like grand story arcs or anything. But there are like many arcs that the characters go through, and I really like the ones at the end because the dad kind of the whole movie is like picking the work over the family the whole time. And there's a scene in the hospital where like, she's basically just like, what the fuck? And then the end, like he sacrifices the crop for the family. He saves like the wife and stuff like that. And then even like the grandma, like she's just kind of there being like, we have to take care of this old woman type thing. But like the things that she did and teaching the son, even though when like, in those times where he didn't want to learn all that end up paying off mm-hmm. at the end where like, that's like what's going to help save them. So I like, again, like you can, you can kind of piece together things in between that fire and like the last scene. It seems like the father's actions helped repair some of their relationship. They, they stay there, they tap the well and they go over and get the crops and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just, uh, I really liked the way they did it. Cause even though I was rooting for the dad the whole time, I was kind of like, especially when there was like stuff going on with the sun. I was like, okay, dude, you gotta, you gotta chill out a little bit. Something's come ahead of your business. Basically. I think that's like a, I, again, going back to relating, like being, being a dad, like I think about that too, because like on one hand, like that amount of pressure to know that it's like, I have to provide, I have to do this. Like I, I have to make a, make a comfortable life, not only for my family now, but like setting my children up for the future. Like mm-hmm. that's like a huge amount of pressure and stress. So like, I understand his drive there, but yeah, like it is, it is begging that question, that challenge of like, at what point does one become a detriment to the other? Like finding that balance of drive versus like compassion or just like being there for your mm-hmm. children. It's like, it's hard to do both as the quote unquote, like man of the house or whatever, you know, going off of like the stereotypical roles of father versus mother and things like that. So like, that's something that like I've seen and I have faced like directly, like being like essentially the sole provider for my son. Mm-hmm. So like, I understand that. And like, that's a, that's actually like, a huge reason why I shifted gears in my career path because you saw, I was working like, 60 hour weeks and stuff. I was making good money, but I was never home. So what kind of a dad am I? Yeah. I'm putting a roof over the head. Yeah. I'm paying the bills. Yeah. We have everything we need, but I'm not around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually like really liked that. I, I like those elements. Also, there's a scene when the son says, um, it's not a penis. It's called a ding dong. And like, I felt that. <laughs> that, that actually hit me the hardest. No pun intended. Yeah, tear, tear to my eye. I'm like, fuck, bro. It is a ding dong. <laughs> it's not oh, a penis, man. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. There's. Um, but yeah, no. I, I actually don't have any other uh, any other notes on this. I don't know if you do, but um, for me, like, just the last thing, real quick, just going off what you were on, you were saying, like, with moments with the dad and, and like relating to it a little bit. Like, I don't know if I related to it, but I definitely know people that are like this and. I it helped me get into like the character's headspace a little bit. And I, I felt for the, the dad at this part, but he's just like, like I, I can't stop doing this because I have to like win one. Like I, my kid has to see me not be this, like 
they can't see me fail basically. Like you don't want to, you don't want to come across a certain way to your kids because when your kids, you know, you should be looking up to your parents and all that. And, uh, I don't know. I was just like, again, like I was really into the character and I was feeling like he was like possibly crossing the line, but I was also like, I kind of get it though. And I feel like that's like the great thing about the movie is it doesn't like, it doesn't make anyone the villain. It just shows everyone the way that they are basically and what's going on in life. Yeah. Yeah. In, in general, like as far as like 2022 goes, I think this movie is possibly one of the best movies I've watched in terms of its characters. Um, yeah, maybe I can agree with it. It's definitely up there. There's not a lot of competition, but I'd say it's definitely up there. A lot of the movies that I liked from this year, they're not like character driven movies. Like I love Tenet, but that's not like a character driven movie. And I really liked the vast of night, but that's not like that either. I don't know. There's, there's, a, I mean, I really like sound of metal. That was completely character driven, but yeah, there's just, I don't know. This is, this one stood a little bit ahead of, I think a lot of the movies that I watched in terms of just like, I felt like the writing on this was extremely strong. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, something that the dad should have thought about before mm-hmm. he went ahead and started his farm and yeah. growing whatever cabbage and all that, <laughs> what he should have done was grew some tomatoes and possibly some tomatoes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> tomato, tomato, tomato. The critics, they are bringing this in at a 98%. Whoa. That is that the first a plus from the critics of the year that we've done um, on the show? At least no, I don't first I don't, a plus. I don't think so. I could be wrong. I, I mean, I know soul was like super high. Oh yeah. That might've been. Yeah, but maybe. I mean, it's definitely one of the highest rated movies that we've done this year. Um, that might be the highest. 98. Holy shit. That's really good. Yeah. But yeah, and then the audience, the Tomato, they are bringing this in at a 90. 98 to 90. Okay. That's good. I was almost about to be like, oh, brother, here we go. The fucking audience. God forbid a movie has subtitles. You fucking idiots can't get a... I love, 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 love... We all know I love Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. But... That quote he has from last year's Oscars when he was saying, um, when you get over that one inch line at the bottom of the screen, it will open up an entire world of cinema you'd never seen before. Yeah. Or something something along those lines. I'm I'm definitely paraphrasing. But I love that. Like just get over that one inch that one inch at the bottom of the screen of text and it'll open up your world like completely. So I'm kinda surprised that like that that scored so high with the although Parasite also scored very high with audiences. Uh, so for me to be on the more positive side, I'm going to say tomato, Mm -hmm. but my grade is split down the middle. I went with an a, Oh, nice. Well, I feel like this has been happening a lot. I went the same. I'm going to go tomato just because positivity. And I I gave it an a also, I was thinking I was possibly thinking an a minus, but there's just not like really any like glaring negatives to it. Like I had a couple, but I feel like they're kind of a product of what type of movie it is and the type of movie that it is. It really succeeds. Yeah. You know how I quantified it? I was, I was in the same boat. I was thinking a minus, but then I was just like, you know what? Same thing. I'm like, I don't have anything like really negative on it that I think it should deserve to drop all the way down to a minus. Not that that's even a bad grade at all, Mm -hmm. but I was like, let me give it an a cause I think it is an a movie. And then when it comes to like personal tastes, that'll just be my ranking. Like I'm, I kind of use this year to be like 
what is this movie? And let me let me give it a grade based on what the movie is. But when it comes to my ranking, that's where those things. So like, I feel like last year I might have given this an A minus because I would have let my ranking of it affect its grade. But I feel like that's not very fair. So I feel like when we do the duties, my top 10, I might have like two A grades in there. My top 10 might be half like B, B pluses <laughs> just based on rewatchability yeah. or how much fun it is. Like I think like there were a lot of movies this year that were like fun or exciting or just like really up our alley, but we graded them as like a B, B plus, B minus just be based on like what the movie actually is. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like, what am I going to rewatch? I don't see myself going back to rewatch this anytime soon. I feel like if I was with somebody and they were like, man, I really love like this style of movie. Like this would definitely be like top of the list. I feel like, um, and I'm not comparing them because of the foreign language thing. But like, if somebody was like, Oh, I do like foreign language films that are family dramas. I feel like I would show them the farewell first. I think it's just um, a little bit more exciting movie. I th- I really like the aesthetic in that. Um, maybe more of like that cityscape and seeing more of the juxtaposition between like America and China. Like, I just think there's more interest there. Um, also, Aquafine is amazing in that, but Steven Yen fucking kills it in this. So I don't want to take anything away from his performance, but um, yeah, like I don't see myself like going back to this too frequently. Like this didn't, this didn't resonate to that level where I'm like, fuck, I need to watch this like periodically, you know? Mm-hmm. So it might, I might give it an A. I honestly don't know where I would put this in my ranking. Like, I mean, we're going to find that out soon enough, so I don't want to spoil it anyways, but like it's going to be an interesting year for the duties. Yeah. There's some movies that I think might be surprises in our top tens this year, but I don't want to spoil anything. I was also thinking maybe we do like a quick bonus episode and hit some of these other movies if we have time, but like, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. There's one final thing I wanted to talk about real quickly. Cause me and you have been talking about doing this for like three or four episodes now. And we keep forgetting, okay. but, uh, uh, we had a new swampy reach out to us on Instagram, uh, last month. And I think they started watching the show in like the middle of February. And then they men- messaged us back like a week or two ago. And they're like, yeah, I'm done listening to all of your episodes. Uh, so we just wanted to give them a oh, shout yeah. out. But yeah. Uh, Logan, that's awesome. Thank you for supporting the yep. show. We really appreciate not, that. Not my son, Logan. He doesn't know how to work a phone. <laughs> that could be confusing if you know. I mean, he listened to every episode. He has to know my son's name is Logan. So maybe that's why he listened. He's just like, he's talking to me. I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> I've, I've never met you. We've spoken a little bit on Instagram, but like most of the time when I'm talking about Logan on the show, I mean my son. Now there's two Logans that we've discussed. Well, mm. three, because we've also talked about the movie Logan a lot. Yeah, it's true. Instagram yeah, Logan. Props. I think he got a dope name. That's why I named my son that, too. <laughs> I was going to say, Instagram Logan uh, actually messaged us a couple days ago, but he said, Overlord takes place in 1944. Episode 144 should be your Overlord review. It's time we hear the masterpiece. Ooh. Do we still have that audio? It's so bad. Like, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad because, like, we're sloppy. We are. Oh, but, like, I would release an episode like that. But the audio itself is so shot. Like, it sounds broken. Like, garbly. Like, barely legible. Like, it would be excruciating to listen to. 
But maybe I can find the the original email from when you sent me the files. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't know if if we still have them or not. It might be it might be destroyed, <laughs> just like the lost uh, forever. <laughs> you know, I hold on a second. I got my notebook right here. I don't know if this I've had this notebook since the beginning of the show though. Oh my god, yeah, page one. I opened it up right away. Overlord. Yeah. Tell tell you so right I now. I still have my notes. <laughs> yeah, Wait, we what? Could... What is this? Oh, for trailers? This is before, like, dude, half the page is just me taking notes on the trailers I watched. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Because the last note in the trailer section, it says, fuck you, Bumblebee. Fuck you. <laughs> then we actually like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, look at this. Look at how much I got wrong. I Oh, this one I got right. The first trailer. It's a quote. It says, finally, an escape room movie quoted to nobody ever. <laughs> yeah, that movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote kind of excited for glass. Great cast. Only person to fuck it up is M night. And he did. And he did. Alita looks cool. I don't know if I can watch whole movie with her eyes. <laughs> Actually, this will probably suck. <laughs> the turnaround, the yeah. turnaround in a two minute trailer. Yeah. Started. This looks cool. <laughs> Actually, this is probably going to suck. Actually, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to see the light of day. Possibly because maybe we, we wiped it. We wiped it from the uh, the Jedi archives. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you find it on the dark web. Yeah, exactly. It's on the dark web. Nice. But regardless, we really appreciate listen, Logan. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to put out more episodes quickly, strictly just so he can binge more. I know, keep him busy. Tom Tom will bust my ass sometimes. Like he texted me because we we should mention we have been pretty late on the releases. We're obviously both very busy. We got pandemic days. Shit's popping off at my job. It's like I'm working at the mall right now and it's like outdoors and now it's starting to get sunny. Like, dude, it doesn't feel like we're in a pandemic. People are like coming out in droves. Like we had to like lock the doors the other day so no one else can come in and we can only let people out. Like people are idiots and like, flooding flooding so my job's been crazy i've been losing a lot of time i've also been making sure i spend time with the fam i know you've been uh spending a lot of time with uh with your fam we're doing we're, we're living life man we're trying to make the most of the pandemic sometimes it's hard to sit sit down and watch these movies and get together and record but we're still bringing the episodes we're not stopping the episodes there's just sometimes it's a little bit uh the schedule is a little bit whack right now, but if you're subscribed, you won't have a problem because as soon as the episode drops, you're going to get it. So do that. Write us some five-star reviews on Apple because we know 70% of you are using your fucking iPhone to listen to us because our analytics are telling us. <laughs> and we know how many people listen to the show. So the fact that we only have 54 fucking reviews written on, on Apple is bananas. That's yeah. like half a percent of you. <laughs> half a percent is not far off. <laughs> yeah. So, so write us a five star review, get yourself some fucking free shit. Like, cause why not do it? I yeah. don't know if you could write reviews. You can write reviews on Spotify. We'll count that too. But yeah, we want to, we want to get you guys some free stuff. We want to get some five star reviews that helps us out a lot. And yeah, we're, uh, we're starting to post more on Instagram again. So you can follow us there at two dudes, movie reviews. You can follow me at sky two dudes. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me at Colin two dudes. That's right. Uh, you'll pretty much only see pictures. You'll see stories of my son and then just pictures of like my girlfriend or me and my girlfriend now. That's pretty much all I use Instagram for anymore. Yeah. 
I you use it more than I do. <laughs> you can yeah, see pictures of the Millennium Falcon on mine and uh occasionally I was working on the book the other day. That was on my personal. So there's there's a little thing. Oh yeah, pod. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can get some sneak peeks and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I, sometimes we'll post some movie jokes. I post some movie memes every once in a while. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just another way you can stay in touch with us. So do that. And we'll be back with the, uh, we'll be back with the duties really soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe the next episode or I don't know. We'll talk about that off mic, but until then suck it swampies. You know, you want that sauce and tossed wing stop. <laughs> I got a chicken wing ad. I got like a burger ad or something like that. Um, oh, we have the meats. <laughs> Arby's, eat my meat. Um, <laughs> Arby's, put my fucking meat in your mouth, bitch. <laughs> Suck on this beef and cheddar. Yeah, was, <laughs> Arby's, you like dick cheese. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I was just gonna say, beef and cheddar is what I what I say. Like I'm gonna feed you my beef and cheddar. That's that's when I uh, that's when you suck my dick after like I haven't showered all day, <laughs> but like I like I worked all day and I still haven't taken a shower. That's my beef and my cheddar. Beef and cheddar. <laughs>